You're tuned to Pigeon Radio Australia, here from the studios of Pigeon Media in Melbourne, Australia, hosted by Ivan Fonte. Tune in worldwide via our website at www.pigeonmedia.com.au. about your PMB1 and rotor vaccinations for your birds this season. Think, think livestock, specialists for PMV and rotor vaccine supply for the cheapest price for your PMV and rotor vaccine in Victoria this season. Think livestock, located at 16 Gravillia Road, Huntley, Bendigo area. Think Livestock can organize courier delivery of your PMV-1 or rotor vaccine, or you can visit their showroom and collect it yourself. Think Livestock, stock vaccine for PMV-1 paramyxovirus and rotavirus. Pigeon vaccination kits. This features an automatic vaccinator, needles, and all the required items to aseptically decanter vaccines. Multimatic injector, a high-quality, German-made injector that is extremely suitable for pigeon vaccination. Think and call Think Livestock for friends service and advice for your PMV1 and rotor vaccine this season on 0354889422. That's 0354889422. Or you can visit their website online at www.thinklivestock.com. Think Livestock, proud sponsors of Pigeon Radio Australia, the only devoted pigeon radio show in the world. Pigeon Racing Victoria Incorporated Special Announcement Due to the COVID-19 restrictions in 2020, the race is postponed to 2022. Now the race is on and here comes pride at the backstretch the Victoria Cup 2022. Purchase special rings at $100 each. For every 10 rings purchased, receive one ring for free. Presented and conducted by Pigeon Racing Victoria Incorporated. First prize is $100,000 guaranteed. Australia's biggest pigeon race from Cobar in New South Wales. For more information, visit the website at www.pigeonracingvictoria.com. That's www www.pigeonracingvictoria.com or telephone Taz Gazis on 0419 386 861 that's 0419 386 861 a range of European products recommended and used by pigeon fanciers worldwide for winning performance and healthy pigeons, especially in times of stress, molting, breeding or racing, our products have shown great results to national winning lofts and top racing fanciers. 
a large range of loft and racing equipment from Europe and Australia. Contact Natural Pigeon Products, Don, 0359981000 and www.pigeonvitality.com.au. Southern FM Sponsor. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM Sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Do you want to keep your birds flying high? Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies has everything you need. A wide variety of pigeon mixes, avian mixes, grits, mineral blocks and health supplements. Plus a large range of loft and racing equipment. Phone Rod Churchill on 0409 416 794 or contact Petstock Terelgan. Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies is a proud supporter of Pigeon Radio Australia. Southern FM sponsor. Hi, I'm Caroline. I grew up in foster care because of abuse and neglect earlier in my life. Now I'm studying a double degree and working in my field. People in foster care often face stigma about being in care, a life they didn't choose to live. Stop the stigma. Don't punish us by treating us differently for something that we didn't choose. Help snap that stigma. Head to create.org.au forward slash snap that stigma. Brought to you by Create Foundation the peak body for children and young people in out-of-home care. In my community, when you're growing up, if you're the man, you know, you've got to be strong. I blamed everyone around me for the way I felt. My wife, work, my brothers. I mean, they changed, not me. But I was sitting at the breakfast table one day and I couldn't eat. I sat there and I just cried. Men do get depression and for them there is hope. Call the Beyond Blue info line on 1300 224636 or visit beyondblue.org.au. I was lucky that when I picked up the phone that day to call my best friend, that he answered. Despite almost every Australian knowing someone who has been affected by suicide, we still don't talk about it. Lifeline Australia's new podcast, Holding On To Hope, shares stories of survivors and the connections made to find the hope to keep living. Because when we talk about suicide, we realise our capacity to support those around us. Holding On To Hope. Lifeline.org.au forward slash podcast. A tough time doesn't excuse abusive behaviour at home. Even in crisis, there's no place for domestic or family violence. If you, your family or community is affected, help is available online and by phone 24-7. For free, confidential advice, support and counselling for everyone, contact 1-800-RESPECT. There's no place for domestic or family violence. Help is here. Authorised by the Australian Government Canada. 
You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia, the only devoted pigeon radio show in the world. Hosted and presented by Ivan Ponty. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. now introducing our pigeon radio australia producer and presenter of the show ivan fonti Hello and welcome to another edition of Pigeon Radio Australia here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and also broadcast from our home studio here in Melbourne, Australia, the Pigeon Media Studios. Our website address at uh, Pigeon Radio Australia is www.pigeonmedia.com.au. You can catch us also on the Southern FM website, which is www.southernfm.com.au. You can also catch us on Facebook and Twitter and all social media. All you have to do is go to Mr. Google Machine and search Pigeon Radio Australia and it'll come up. Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the social media. Now, if you want to join a group on Facebook, go and join The Racing Pigeon. Over 12,000 members now and growing. So join that. And our official Pigeon Radio Australia group is The Racing Pigeon Australia. So go and join that as well. And now we have to introduce these bananas. Are you thinking what I'm thinking, B1? I think I am B2. It's music. Tony McPherson and Tony Barbara, B1 and B2, our Pigeon Radio Australia bananas in pajamas. Ah, Mr. McPherson. Oh no, good, it's good day. Good day, good day, Ivan. And good day, B2. And good day to everyone around the world. Yes. Whether it's morning or night. You always take the limelight off Mr. B2 here. You take it. Come on, Tony. Good day, Ivan. Good day, B1. Good day, Charlie. And good day to everybody around the world. Yeah. He always wants to take that limelight from him. Don't you, <laughs> Mr. McPherson? I don't know about anyway, that. Anyway, um, I've seen a pink panther lurking in the background here, so let's... Uh, I don't know. And now, introducing our Pigeon Radio Australia's know-it-all spy correspondent, Charlie Gretsch. Mr. Gretsch. Mr. Ponty. Yes. How are you all? Good. How are you? Uh, excellent. Excellent. I'd like yeah. to um, say hello to everybody here in Australia. 
<laughs> Everybody in Australia. <laughs> yes, certainly. Anyway, on tonight's show, we've got a very exciting show for you tonight. I'll just fill you in on what's happening. On tonight's show, we have, first of all, from the Tasmanian Maritime Museum, we've got Dr. Annalise Rees, who's coming on to tell us about how they used to use pigeons way back in the 19, early 1900s to send messages between the lighthouses on all the islands in Tasmania and around Tasmania. So that would be interesting. Uh, and then Tony McPherson has organised a chat with two of our disabled pigeon fanciers, and we're talking about Brad Strong and Jeff. James. Jeff James, that's all of them. I can't read my own writing. And then uh, Charlie Gretsch. Before we uh, continue on with the program, I want to read you a very interesting article that I found on the internet this week, and this is going to flabbergast a lot of people. And the article says, why the Chinese military is creating an air force of 10,000 pigeons. In the Chinese People's Liberation Army, learning more of a lesson from the US military's Millennium Challenge exercise than the United States, judging from its new core of communications pigeons, it could be. In 2002, the US military held one of its largest war games ever, pitting the United States against a fictional Iran-like country. The US was pretty surprised when it when its Marine Corps leader, retired Lieutenant General Paul Van Ripper, took control of the Iranians and soundly beat the United States with the old-style tactics and communications that made America's playbook useless. Van Ripper was an old-school Marine as they come. He knew the US would target his communications infrastructure, so he planned to defend his fake Iran without it. Instead of microwave communications and cell phones, he coordinated his defence with motorcycle couriers and fake prayers broadcast over loudspeakers. When it came time to fend off the attack, the US lost in two minutes. Instead of learning a lesson from Van Ripper's tactics, the planner just tied his hands and put him in situation where he couldn't win. In his opinion, nothing was learned from this exercise. Maybe the United States didn't learn anything from it, but China might have. China is pouring billions of dollars into new defence spending as tensions with the United States ramp up. Some of that might be going to its own version of a stealth fighter, but another portion is going to what Chinese state television calls reverse pigeon army. In 2020, the Chinese People's Liberation Army purchased more than 10,000 military pigeons so it could bolster its internal communications abilities. In case its more modern methods suddenly, somehow, became unusable. These military pigeons will be primarily called upon to conduct special military missions between troops stationed at our land borders or ocean borders. Chinese military expert Chen Hong told China Central Television. The earliest recorded use of pigeons' messaging was in the Roman Empire, 
2,000 years ago, and pigeons have been vital to communication in peace and in war ever since. The only way to stop them is hawks and later shotguns. Military pigeons are able to fly at speeds of up to 75 miles per hour while carrying a load of up to 3.5 ounces. As the Chinese have been breeding pigeons for racing sports for centuries, as for range, it could be virtually limitless, depending on how fast the message is needed to arrive. One pigeon sent by Emperor Li Ximin of the Tang Dynasty flew a message for 177 miles. Messenger pigeons, also known as homing pigeons, are not only useful to Chinese military planners trying to maintain communications over oceans during wartime, they can also be used in the vast mountainous areas of the Himalayas which have seen recent clashes with India along its border. Homing pigeons are easily trained to fly between one or two locations by using food as an incentive for the animal. Changing the route is as easy as changing the food. Using pigeons isn't new to Chinese. Chinese armies have been using messenger pigeons for centuries. Pigeons were among China's earliest domesticated animals and were used as pets and messengers as far back as the Eastern Han Dynasty in 25 AD. They were also used to great effect during World War II and the pigeons left behind by American aviators who flew against the Japanese in China are central to the PLA's new communications backup plan. What do you think of that, uh, fellas? Very, very, very good. Isn't Isn't that fascinating? The Chinese have purchased... So what they've done is they've gone over to Belgium and said, we want 10,000 pigeons for our army. Mm. What yeah, you, not, not, not unusual. Um, I think in the Desert War, the Americans um, used uh, pigeons. Um, no, it was, the, um, it was the opposition used pigeons, the Iraqis. Mm. The Americans had blocked out everything that uh, the Iraqis uh, had, you know, and um, they couldn't work out that uh, how the Iraqis knew where they were, and it was uh, because they were using pigeons. So, uh, yes, it's uh, uh, interesting um, what the what the Chinese are doing. A lot of birds make yeah. make a good one loft race. That's <laughs> for sure. Well, you've seen their lofts over there. I've seen their lofts full of birds. You know, yeah. <clears throat> ten thousand, fifteen thousand pigeons. How in the hell yeah. did they manage a loft like that? Unbelievable. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people. That's all. Mm. Yeah, you'd have a lot of people. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I've got, so yeah, you'd have a lot of people uh, feeding and cleaning them and doing everything else with mm. them. So yeah. Hmm. Uh, well, it's very well, fascinating stuff, and I think the Chinese are up to something if they're getting 10,000 pigeons for the army and preparing. They're preparing for something. Anyway, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Dr. Annalise Reese from the uh, Maritime Museum in Tasmania to talk about pigeons messaging between the islands for the lighthouses. 
But now we're going to uh, take a break for a song and I like to promote a little bit of Australian music here on Pigeon Radio Australia. And I've got the new song from um, Williamson. Yeah, and it's called Buddy and Slim. Have a listen to this, Buddy and Slim. And Stan Costa too. And all those pioneers before the tar came through. About the trail they blazed and the songs they made. Stan was short of a quid and the pub had no beer. The rain tumbled down in July and we had a good year. We had a drink with Shorty at Three Rivers Hotel. There was Smokey and Texan Chad and Rick and Phil. Banjo and Henry and all their peers They wondered what an Aussie would be in a hundred years Will we keep our romance with the bush out there And I must admit I wonder will we still care Pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM Sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. 
for top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Do you want to keep your birds flying high? Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies has everything you need. A wide variety of pigeon mixes, avian mixes, grits, mineral blocks and health supplements. Plus a large range of loft and racing equipment. Phone Rod Churchill on 0409 416 794 or contact Petstock Terelgan. Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies is a proud supporter of Pigeon Radio Australia. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons' inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor what you doing dad Hmm? oh i'm painting the deck why because the varnish protects the wood from the sun why because sunlight in australia is really strong why well because it's full of dangerous uv rays oh dad shouldn't you also protect yourself then when you cover things they last longer same goes for you be sun smart save your skin Are you looking after someone aged with a disability, mental illness or medical condition? As a carer, you can access free support online, over the phone or in person. Carer Gateway is an Australian government initiative providing counselling, advice, respite and much more. Find out how Carer Gateway can help you. Call 1800 422 737 Monday to Friday or visit carergateway.gov.au. Carer Gateway. Hey, this is Ernie Dingo for Rad. Recording artists, actors and athletes against drink driving. Here's a simple word of advice. If you enjoy a drink when you go out, keep it simple. Now, unless you're a rocket scientist, how do you really know whether you're over the limit? So try this. Either drink or drive. Don't be a mug and mess around trying to do both. And if you do plan to have a few, arrange a ride with a designated driver who won't drink. The life you save might be your own. This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2pm. Travel the world, musically speaking. From the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto. From the Colosseum to the Pyramids. From the London Bridge to Golden Gate. Tune in every Wednesday, 2pm, for International Caravan with your captain, DDZ. Music Time features old and new country music from Australia and overseas. There's something for everyone to enjoy. We even have a touch of Irish. Join me, Jeanette, for Music Time on Mondays from 12 till 2 on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia, the only devoted Pigeon Radio show in the world, hosted and presented by Ivan Ponty.
You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. You're tuned to Pigeon Radio Australia. Our website address at Pigeon Radio Australia is www.pigeonmedia.com.au. We broadcast via 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside in Melbourne, Australia. Their website address is www.southernfm.com.au. And you can catch us on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever. Whatever social media is going, we're on it pigeon radio australia go to the mr google machine and search pigeon radio australia and you will find us immediately on all the social media networks right now on pigeon radio australia we have a very special guest from the tasmanian maritime museum we have dr annalise reese on the line Good day to you, Dr. Reese. Simon, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. That's good. Um, you want to tell us a little bit before we start talking about the pigeons, you want to tell us a little bit about the Tasmanian Maritime Museum, which you are the curator of? That's right. So um, we're based in Hobart and we're a volunteer-led museum, um, meaning that uh, we have three part-time staff and 100-plus active volunteers that help us run the museum Um, and we have a collection of artefacts, documents, objects, photographs, um, drawings, paintings, all sorts um, that relate to Tasmania's maritime heritage and history. So it's an interesting collection of objects and and we have displays in in the museum premises which is located in the CBD of Hobart. Um, all related to Tasmania's maritime heritage. So a number of permanent displays as well as uh, a rolling temporary exhibitions program that changes throughout the year. Fantastic. Now, um, I was on the internet and I always uh, go around searching for uh, related pigeon articles and stuff that the media is putting out. So I found this article on the ABC News uh, website and it says how carrier pigeons were once the backbone of lighthouse families. Could you tell us a little? I was very fascinated by this because I didn't know that pigeons were used to send messages between the lighthouses. That's right. Well, back in the early days of um, the lighthouse service in Tasmania, so between 1906 and 1930, there were a couple of lighthouses down in southern Tasmania on Tasman Island and that Cypher Island that didn't have radio contact with the mainland, that being mainland Tasmania. And so the main or primary means of communication other than trying to wave down a passing fishing boat um, was to send messages via carrier pigeon. So both of the lighthouses on on Tasman Island and Matsaka Island had a pigeon loft and um, every every so often they would send a message back to Hobart um, just to either alert um, the lighthouse service that everything was okay or if there was something that they needed um, 
you know, for instance, we, we've got some messages um, in the collection that talk about um, needing some bags of chaff for the horses or or the, the cow. That's something where perhaps they were short on supplies um, or that the boat, the free supply boat, had only brought a, a certain amount and they needed a few more. So the the pigeon messages were, I guess, if you like, the, the, um, the version of sending a text message or... Um, if they if they could have jumped on the radio and said, um, "Hey, how's it going? Um, we're all we're all okay here, but um, we've run out of um, uh, feed for the horses, or we need a bit more muesli, or can you send us some milk, or something like that." <laughs> so there was a gentleman by the name of Elias Dollery, and he had a, 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 a um, collection of pigeons, I guess. I don't know what a collection of pigeons are called. You'll have to tell me that. Um, <laughs> uh, and he kept them up in Knocklofty in Hobart and he had the contract to supply the lighthouses with 30 pigeons every month. So when the resupply boat went out to either Tasman or Matsika, um, 30 pigeons would be taken um, on the boat every month and they'd be unloaded at the lighthouse for them to be able to send back um, Messages. Fantastic. And what kind of messages did they send? That was just uh, the, the um, horses needed feed, or did they send any emergency communication messages? They did, yeah, on occasion. Um, I mean, most of the time, uh, a lot of the um, the messages that we have in the collection actually just say "all okay" here. Um, some of them do indicate, um, you know, they might have needed a spare part or something for the lantern for the lighthouse itself sent or an engine, something like that with the next resupply vessel. Um, but there was also um, one one message which I guess we have a particular connection to at the museum is through one of our volunteers, um, Don Mitchell, who's 90 and Don works frequently down on the front desk welcoming visitors to the museum. Um, his father was a lighthouse keeper and was out on Tasman Island and also Matt Syker as well as other places around the state. But when um, when Don's older sister Joyce was just a, a young, young child, I think she was about three or four years old, they were stationed out on Tasman Island and unfortunately Joyce fell ill with pneumonia um, and they needed to get a, a boat sent out to the island um, to try and get her back to Hobart to receive treatment. Um, so Don's father sent off a message or a couple of messages by carrier pigeon um, and re- for the pigeons to return to Hobart requesting that a, a, a vessel be sent out to collect her. And unfortunately on this occasion the pigeons didn't make it to Hobart and it was some days before a vessel came past and they were able to flag down the vessel by lighting a, a, a beacon on, on up on the top of Tasman Island. So the boat came in to see what was wrong um, and they were able to get a message that they needed to send um, a vessel out to pick up Don's older sister. But unfortunately, she didn't survive. It was too long by the time that they got her to, uh, into a hospital in Hobart um, unfortunately, she passed away. So it's a bit of a tragic story, but it's also just a demonstration of, um, you know, these these messages that which we have in the collection have uh, still have connection to the community who are in Tasmania today, and particularly in this case, um, one of our very own volunteers, John Mitchell. 
Very fascinating. Now, we have one of our correspondents on the line, or we've got a couple of correspondents on the line, but Tony McPherson, I'm sure, has some questions to ask you. Tony, go ahead. Yes, look, I find this very intriguing, um, especially the uh, Maritime Museum and also the pigeons um, being used. But um, uh, last time I was over in Tasmania, I was down at Strawn, and they've got a very interesting um, cemetery down there um, with all the... uh, young sailors uh, that had lost their lives just uh, off the off storm there and uh, make some very interesting reading. I dare say that um, a lot of history um, in the Maritime Museum be uh, in regards to shipwrecks and things like that as well. That's right. Yeah, with Tasmania having such a huge number of shipwrecks, we have a number of shipwreck items in, in the collection from around the state um, but there's also a whole number of stories and associated um, tales I guess with the shipwrecks one of one of them at the moment that we actually have in the exhibition where the pigeon messages feature is all about um, the, the wreck of the Netherby and we have the letter from a 16 year old boy George Massingham who was one of the survivors on the wreck of the Netherby and we have the letter that he writes to his mother once he's returned to the shore safely, um, telling her all about uh, about the experience of being shipwrecked. So we're really lucky at the museum. We have some quite amazing artefacts and documents which um, directly relate to Tasmania's history and, and part of that is a tragic history in regards to shipwrecks. Mm, yes, it, it, it certainly is uh, very, very intriguing and uh, uh, especially for the fancier that was supplying 30 birds 30 birds a month? That's right, 30 birds a month. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it'd sort of be a, a bit like a recover, let the birds, uh, the ones that uh, were still on the island, uh, it's sort of a swap over. Um, put some fresh ones in and, and ship the other ones out. But uh, I don't think they, they wouldn't have used all 30. Um, Birds uh, in that in that month, would they? No, so I don't. I don't think there wasn't like one one message sent per day, so to speak. But Don did mention that he remembered his father saying um, that he he thought he could see the sea eagles and the peregrine falcons watching, and when he put his hand on the cage, they knew that the pigeons would be released shortly following, and so many of the pigeons were being picked off by raptors. Um, as a, a quick and easy feed, so that that happened frequently. Apparently, um, mm. so not all the birds made it made it back to Hobart, and they would send uh, at least a pair at a time to send a message. So if you imagine if it if something was going on, or um, if you lost a few a few predators taking them out before they even got back to the mainland, um, having a few extras up their sleeve would have been quite handy, I imagine. I would, I would, I would assume so. Yeah, especially uh, uh, with the, with with the falcons and just sitting there waiting. And uh, yeah, it'd be terrible if you, you know, you, you had two birds left, you and you let them out, and the falcons grab one. And the next day, you needed to send a message. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you'd be left a bit stranded. But uh, like we we raced pigeons from uh, King Island. Um, right. And there's a there's a fancier an ex fancier there that um, looks after the birds there. So, um, do, 
did they have, uh, there was only the, the couple of islands that they had the birds on? Or did as, as far as I know, in relation to the, the these pigeon messages that we have in the collection, they're from Tasman and that site. My understanding is that those two islands didn't have radio until much later, until 1930. So once the radio kicked in, of course, there was no reason um, to have the pigeon mess or the pigeons to be able to send yep. messages because they're able to relay messages via radio. But I think also in regards to Matt Syker and Tasman, it's because they're really quite inaccessible. So they're right down the south of the state, Matt Syker being the southernmost lighthouse in Australia. Uh, yeah. And Tasman Island being located up on the top of what is essentially 90 to, I think, 100 metre high dolerite cliff. So they're very inaccessible areas and it's not easy for a boat to get into either place because of um, weather and, and tidal and current conditions down there. Mm. So the, the birds really were a, a very important connection between the lighthouse keepers, their families and mainland Tasmania. Yes, it's, uh, now with those um, locations, are the lofts still with? Do you know, I haven't been out uh, to Tasman Island or Matsika Island to see and I really don't know. I'd need to find out. Um, it wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily be too difficult to find out but my hunch is that perhaps not given that they would have last been used in 1930 so I suspect um, that they... The lofts may have been repurposed, um, as of as was often the case, because of course getting materials and equipment out there um, wasn't wasn't easy. So I imagine anything like that, once it had um, seen the end of its life, would have been repurposed into something else. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Probably a, a wooden chair or something like that to sit on. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, have you got something to to add? Um, no, not really. Um, you, my, my questions have been answered. Um, the only thing I can sort of, um, because the birds or the pigeons are so important to, you know, for messages and for, for survival and stuff like that, that these raptors got away with it pretty easy. I think they would have done something to try and um, eradicate <laughs> these um, raptors from getting these pigeons before they let them go. Yes, well, I'm, I'm not sure what uh, what regulations would have been like then, perhaps a little different now, but I imagine yeah. uh, Parks and Wildlife probably wouldn't be too keen today for that type of thing to happen. But uh, <laughs> at the time, I, I really don't know. Don didn't mention his father saying anything about having a few pot shots trying to um, reduce <laughs> the, the raptor numbers, but I imagine, um, yeah, but p- perhaps... Perhaps they had a, a something um, in play there to try and increase the chances of the pigeons getting back, or perhaps it was just the having thirty each month that gave them a few to. Um, perhaps there was a couple um, sacrificial pigeons at the beginning, and then they were able to get the yeah, able to get the message. Oh, couple, of, couple of really slow birds to start them, give them a good feed, and then um, yeah, then send the messages off. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, well, we're, yeah, we're talking about 1920s to 30s, aren't we? So, That's right. Yeah, the yeah. messages that we that we have on uh, exhibit at the moment are from 1922, and both with a few from Tasman Island and a few from Matsaka, but they're all in the 1922 period. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
yeah, make interesting reading, that's for sure. Interesting reading. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if there were any artefacts left behind as lofts and whatnot on the islands, but or maybe some rings, old rings or anything like that. There could be, which mm. would also make interesting uh, things to have in the in the uh, museum. But, uh, that's right. Maybe yeah. someone might have them in their back shed. We never like the museum's collection has been acquired through community donation. So uh, just like these particular pigeon messages, it's been a member of the community who's made them available and gifted them to the museum. So if there's anyone out there or you know of anyone who might have them, um, the museum would certainly be interested in um, adding them to the collection because they tell a wonderful story of Tasmania's past. And, of course, these stories connect to people all over the place through um, various interests. They certainly do. They certainly do. Yeah, yeah, it's very fascinating stuff. I was a- absolutely fascinated by it, and I didn't, you know, I know a lot about pigeons and what they did in Australia during the war and everything else, but I never knew that they used pigeons to send messages between the lighthouses, and it was quite a great read. And I'd uh, like to thank you, Dr. Annalise Reese, for coming on to Pigeon Radio Australia to tell us the story. Now, would you like to tell our listeners, if they do visit Tasmania, how they can find the museum? And also, if anybody wants to find it and look at it on the internet, can you give us an internet address? Yes, certainly. Thanks, Ivan. Um so the museum's located in Hobart and we're right in the CBD of Hobart on on Argyle Street and that's number 16 Argyle Street. So we we run between Macquarie Street and Davies Street, which are the two big main streets, I guess, in Hobart that most people are familiar with. And we look out onto the historic waterfront and we're right at the back of the town hall. So the museum's open Monday to Sunday, 9am to 5pm. Um, at the moment, we have half the museum open because we've been undergoing redevelopment through the COVID period and, and we have the two exhibitions on at the moment, um, one which is all about writing in the sea, of which these pigeon messages are part of, um, and also a, a wonderful exhibition by Hobart marine artist Bill Mann. So there's lots to see. Um, if you happen to be in Hobart, come on down. Um, you can also... So take a look at the museum's website, which is www.maritimetas.org. So you can jump on there and see a little bit more about the museum and the programs that we run. Um, and certainly by always jump on the ABC uh, website and have a look at their their article that they've very kindly written about Don and the Pigeon Messages and the museum, and that can be found at abc.net.au under How Carrier Pigeons, What's the Backbone of Lighthouse Family. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Annalise Reese, for your time, and thank you for accepting my invitation on such a short notice, and it was quite a pleasure to, to speak with you. Oh, you're welcome, Ivan. Thanks very much for your interest in the museum and, and the pigeon messages. It's just wonderful to be able to tell people about them and share the story. All right. Thank you very much, and thanks for your time. Thanks very much, Ivan. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. And that was Dr Annalise Reese from the Tasmanian Maritime Museum. Now, we're going to take a break, and here's a good song, an Australian song, and it's called Australian Heartbeat. So let's have a listen to this new country song, Australian Heartbeat. 
Drew McAllister. The sun coming up on a blue-collar town. There's work to be done here all year round. When there's bills to pay, gotta pull your own away. Out on the street, the day's coming alive. Six to three is a nine to five. It's burning daylight. Fighting good fight. It's who we are, it's what we do. It's the rhythm we're all marching to. It's a pride taking a hard day's work. The blood and the sweat on the jeans shirt. Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons' inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Do you want to keep your birds flying high? Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies has everything you need. 
a wide variety of pigeon mixes, avian mixes, grits, mineral blocks and health supplements, plus a large range of loft and racing equipment. Phone Rod Churchill on 0409 416 794 or contact Pet Stock Terelgan. Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies is a proud supporter of Pigeon Radio Australia. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Hey, I'm Scott McLaughlin here from the Shell V Power Racing Team for RAD. How many people do you know who've been killed, seriously injured or lost their licence on our roads? I bet you know someone. And how many times were you in a position to take someone's car keys because they had too much to drink? To stop someone from texting while they're driving or to refuse getting in a car because the driver wouldn't put their seatbelt on? Little things you do can make a massive difference. What will you do to help drive the road toll towards zero? Rad, R-A-D-D dot org dot A-U. John's Ambulance is a charitable organisation that's been active in Australia for over 100 years. When a crisis occurs anywhere around the country, St John's volunteers are there to help. They know that every second counts. They are ordinary people doing extraordinary things in their local communities. People with a commitment to practical and compassionate caring. Become a St John's volunteer so you too can help save lives. Call St John toll-free on 1300-360-455 for details. Join Molly and Fluoro for Molly's Blooming Hour, Saturday from 4 till 5pm. We'll have interviews with gardening experts plus gardening tips and fresh produce recipes. We will also talk about what's happening in your beautiful Bayside garden, what's blooming now and what to do in your garden now. Then stay tuned for the after show, where we'll be keeping you entertained with special guests, fun and games, and of course, more great music. Online all the time. Southernfm.com.au. Every Saturday morning from 10 until noon, you can hear all the latest Australian releases on the all new Saturday Osmosis. Interviews with the artists and live studio performances. All new, all Australian, all genres, all good. All new Saturday Osmosis, every Saturday morning from 10 until noon.
You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia, here from the studios of Pigeon Media in Melbourne, Australia. This is the only devoted Pigeon Radio show in the world. Tune in, live, worldwide, via our website at www.pigeonmedia.com.au. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside, Melbourne, Australia. Listening to Pigeon Radio Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. And we broadcast for our studios in Melbourne, Australia, the Pigeon Media Studios. Our website address at Pigeon Radio Australia is www.pigeonmedia.com.au. And if you want to check out the Southern FM website, it's www.southernfm.com.au. Now, Tony McPherson has two very interesting guests online, and I'll let Mr. McPherson do the honours. Mr. Tony McPherson, take it away and introduce your guests. Uh, thank you, Ivan. Look, um, these are two two guys that I've uh, met over the years, um, uh, both um, racing pigeons, uh, and both the guys have... Um, have had the misfortune to have accidents and things like that and um, ended up in wheelchairs. And uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Brad Strong from Geelong and also Jeff James from Geelong. Welcome aboard, you two blokes. Hey, Alan. Thanks, Tony. No worries. Now, um, we'll just have a little run-through between the two of you. You can go first, Brad. Um, Um. what were your circumstances um, to, you know, for you to uh, um, become uh, incapacitated? Um, a genetic thing it was, just one for the boys. Yep. Yeah, and miss a couple misses the girls, but they hit the boys here and there. Okay, yep. yeah. And, yeah, um, yeah just, just my leg keeps going on me and um, muscles and the nervous system. Yes, yeah, so- Yes, yeah, so I've I've seen you um, um, get around, and uh, it, it's it is a, a real struggle. I've seen that you've you've come to, you've come here to, to my place with uh, with Brad Young, who is our uh, mutual friend, and um, <laughs> struggled down the hill. And I'm thinking, oh, it might be easier to just roll down. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but um, and now Jeff. Um, um, what were your circumstances there, mate? Yeah, I was um, working for a drainage contractor, um, putting the sewage through bow and heads in 1972, um, May 19th, 1972. Um, yeah, just I was quitting the job that very day. I was down in the trench, 
about 16, 18 feet down. Climbed out, and as I climbed out, I was up the top, and the guy, Merv, was still down in the trench. He yelled out, he said, oh, I know you're going, but you can just help me lay this last pipe, will you? I said, yep, yeah, no worries, I'll be down. So I climbed down, um, leaning against the wall of the excavation, and it collapsed and just bent me over when you can only bend so far. And I broke my back at uh, T12L1. Um, so been in a wheelchair for coming up 49 years. Yeah, it's a, it's a long time now, brother. In actual fact, you, know, you, you put a photo up on Facebook uh, and you said, I'm, I'm standing up. It's a, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of people wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't remember you standing oh, up. Well, they've never met me standing up. A lot of my uh, nieces, great nieces, <laughs> and a lot of friends around here, you know. And they, exactly. exactly. And it was the assumption that I was born. In a wheelchair. Yes, yes. It's exactly. hard for them to push out, but the wheelchair was there. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you got, both of you guys have got a good sense of humour, I know that. And look, it's, uh, it's a passion of mine and uh, in regards to uh, special needs people and, and people with disabilities, it's a, a, an area that I've worked in for 20-odd years, over 20 years. And um, I know the uh, the problems that you can have. And um, now, Brad, you can go first. Um, what got you into pigeons? Um, brought up with them four generations. My dad's yeah. side had pigeons. My mum's side, and all her uncles and um, grand my grandpa, my dad. So I had them most brought up with them. Yep, yep. And uh, always down at John. Ah, uh, no, Melbourne. Okay, so uh, I used to, um, used to friends with uh, Paul Barbara. Okay, yes, in WPF. Yes, yes, yeah, in Braybrook. Yep. That that that'd be Tony's brother, Tony McPherson. Tony's going here. That's my brother. That's my yeah. brother, Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, so you started off that way. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, you're a member of the, uh, which club are you a member uh, of? Bay City, Bay City Pigeon Club. Yes. And I know that you've got a, uh, a, a real passion for collecting things. Yep, our old pigeon rings, our old certificates, our collected clocks, old trophies. So it goes back to 1915, 1893. Oh, yeah, just people that have passed away and... They have given it my stuff, and I've been looking after it and frame it all, and made the pigeon room out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I know I've seen your display of rings. How you've um, done the display? Um, uh, you you had one down at uh, Colac when we when we did the sale down there. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, day, the days I I, I can't um, walk properly. Yeah, you know, I can't get it in the loft, so I sit in the room and just yeah go through all my collection and set things up and put things on display and then other people come over and have a look and see the smile on their face because hey, no. everyone's memories are there. 
We've got a break for the Southern FM National News right now, fellas. So uh, we'll be back after the Southern FM National News with uh, Jeff and Brad. And to continue this this interesting conversation about disabled pigeon fanciers. We'll be back after the National Radio News here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. Stop the pigeon, 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 how? Nab him, jab him, tab him, grab him, stop that pigeon now. You're tuned to Pigeon Radio Australia here on 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. And our website address here at Pigeon Radio Australia is www.pigeonmedia.com.au. You can also catch us on all the social media sites. That's Facebook, Twitter, and all the social media, LinkedIn. Just go to the Mr. Google machine and search Pigeon Radio Australia and you'll find us immediately. And we're back with Jeff James and Bradley Strong, our disabled pigeon fanciers who are chatting with Tony McPherson about uh, disabled pigeon fancying. Take it away, Tony. Now, Jeff, um, how did you come into pigeons? Um, In a strange way, actually. Uh, I was five and Dad turned up with a red checker pied, fairly gay red checker pied and a white hen and presented them to me, and then he got stuck in me, converted. I don't know how old you are, Tony, how old the listeners are, but the old thunderbox down the backyard was there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so after after we'd uh, the place, uh, I lived in Reservoir, actually, that's where I was born, uh, born in Preston, moved a whole, whole way out in the sticks to Reservoir. Um, yeah, so Dad converted the old thunderbox um, to a pigeon cage for me. Cut the door in half, made like a stable door, wire up the top, wood down the bottom, stuck some shelves in and a drinker and stuff. Yeah, I think he was more happy doing something with his hands and having the pigeons. But yeah, so you know, and I said, I don't know what I did or what I was up to, and Dad just gave me those pigeons, and it just started from there. You know, yeah. And funny story, I bred. They bred as pigeons will. Two babies, red pied and a white. Anyway, not knowing anything about them when I was a kid, just caught them, opened the door and threw them out. And of course, as squeakers, six weeks, four to six weeks, six weeks old, I suppose, away they went. <laughs> <laughs> I was heartbroken. And uh, anyway, they came back and dad had done everything in the loft except how to get the birds back in. So he managed to. Uh, a wet towel, threw it over the both of them, which was really cool, put them back in the cage, and, and to this day I was wondering, you know, that was the only pair I ever got off those birds. And uh, I talked to Mum and she said, yeah, we saw how much stress it caused every time the hen laid an egg, we threw it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I just said, so I had the, uh, the pies and I uh, built another pigeon cage down in the corner and we used to, uh, back in the day, as I don't know, again, I don't know how old you are, Tony, but uh, there was pigeons everywhere, you know, like yeah. every backyard had pigeons of some description. And, um, we used to 
you know, some days there, somebody let their birds out, so you let your birds out, and somebody else let their birds out. They're fish, you know, five, six hundred pigeons flying around, you know. We're yeah. each trying to stray into each other's, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, you, you've also done other things, um, Jeff. Uh, uh, you, were, you were telling me the other day you, you uh, did marathons. Yep, yep. Um, fill us in, fill us in. So, I had, had my accident and, um, you know, sort of loose ends. Uh, when you were, uh, when you were doing physio, they got you to throw javelins and stuff around. And um, anyway, apparently, just out of, basically out of hospital, out of, out of bed doing physio and I tossed a javelin that was further than what anybody had thrown it before. And everybody thought, hmm. <laughs> anyway, I got into wheelchair sports, played basketball, wheelchair basketball, uh, did swimming, uh, wheelchair racing, uh, javelin shot put. Um, yeah, and later on as I um, got more and more fit, I, I went in. It was the Big M Marathon back in those days from Frankfurt yeah. to Melbourne and had a friend with me, and I said, what do I do? And he said, I'll just pace off the back of me. And I said, okay. So I took off, and uh, supposed to be following the guy in front, pacing off him. Well, about the 10 kilometre stage, I couldn't even see where he was. <laughs> <laughs> and I got there, and he, he, he was sitting there, cold towel around his neck, drinking water. <laughs> He'd been well and truly home. And yeah. anyway... And next year or two years later, I went in the game. He said, just pace off me. I said, no, thanks. Anyway, with about 10 kilometres to go, I passed him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, look, it, it was good, but uh, um, just most of these sports you do are for younger people. I try to do, I try to, um, I started training again. Stupidly, when I was about 60. Yes. <laughs> and I was pushing 10 kilometres a day, 20 kilometres on Friday. Well, I blew both my shoulders out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was the end of that. So I've got a lot smarter now. I watch sport and I still show dogs. Dog shows have their main interest and families the most important thing to you, you know. Like, yeah. You be, yeah like, I don't know. Um, I think I told you my wife died when my little boy was five and a half and I was a single parent from then on. But, yeah, my wife's sister, she lives up on the corner. She was a godsend. Yeah. Yeah. I'd believe um, Daniel would go to school. When he was at school, go to his auntie's place, auntie's place after till I got home from work, you know. Just those things, just uh, filling those little gaps. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, um, as I say, done a lot of other things. Um, Yeah, travelled a bit. Yeah. Yep, yeah, travelled overseas when um, there was no disabled people in Indonesia. (laughs) Well, that'd be an interesting interesting little... uh uh, it was. <laughs> it was. I went over to the Philippines and it reminded me, my sister said it reminded me of the, of the Pied Piper. Yeah, I'd be wheeling along and look behind me and all these people are following me. <laughs> yeah, yes, it certainly would be an experience. And that, that was another thing. I went to Raffles in Singapore. Yes, 
Oh, you're right. Like that's an interesting. Okay. Yes. Did that's you? My brother. I got in because my brother-in-law was about six foot three, six foot four of German origin, so he spoke to the management. <laughs> yeah. That's all I did. But I really didn't want to go in after that. I was pretty upset, you know. No, you oh, can't yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah. And that, look, um, between the two of you, uh, yep. now, Brad, um, and look, I know that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a hard thing, but sometimes people with a disability, a, a bit like cellophane, um, sometimes people look through you and, mm-hmm. and don't, and don't um, don't want to talk to you, or don't want to. Uh, have you found that at all? Have you found that at all, uh, Brad? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, people don't really worry about much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a, um, and you you say the same there, Jeff. It, it was something that I I've noticed that of course working with um, people with disabilities, and I I I think they. A lot of people just don't know how to go about communicating, or, or, yeah. or and just saying "g'day," "how you going?" You know, yeah. they, they sort of feel that if I say "how you going," and you say, "Well, listen, mate, I'm not doing too bloody good because I'm in a wheelchair," uh, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, a strange, strange way how people sort of uh, react and. Uh, and I dare say you guys have found that. Um, well, they, now, sorry, Tony. I, yeah. I don't see myself as disabled, see? No. No, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> you, both of you. Both of you are able to get around and still enjoy life yep. um, in, in, in many different ways. Now, the, the pigeon world, um, we're... we're we're working towards that. The pigeon world now, Brad. You're you're in your club. Um, have you found the members in your club in the way that they've helped you and and the things that you do? And um, I mean, you know, we were talking about you going into your loft and what happens in your loft and things like that. Just fill us in on that. Yeah, um, yeah. In our club, um, the members are really grouse because um, I've got Glenn Matthews. Yes. Yeah, he's gave me a whole um, heap of new softwares this year. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. And all that. And um, Steve Jockey helps me top, but I can't, yeah, when I can't, yeah, um, get the birds up anyway. Yeah, when I yeah. can't walk properly. And because it's, um, I've got no, I only got a side entrance. I've got no um, car park or driveway at the front. So I've got to try to bring the birds around this little skinny park. And um, this year, I got over 140 birds. That's so not, you know, I normally have 100, but extra 40. This make me work a little bit more, but when I'm in my loft, I can't stand. I've got to sit down in the loft so the birds get to know me better. They you know, end up flying on my shoulders and being my pet for the whole year. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good story there, Brad, um, how the birds and, and you've got that bond, the bond yeah. with, with your birds. It's a, it's a great, and, and of course, when you're feeling down, where do you go? I sit in the pigeon loft, mate, and sit there the whole day. Yeah, yeah, good on you. And now, Jeff, what? Now, with your members, and and uh, have you made any alterations to your loft to get into your loft? Or well, they're not alterations. They're just basically what it is. Um, it's just sort of basically a normal loft, three sections, two sliding doors, but it's only. Uh, I'll say five foot ten high, 
Yep. But the floor space is six foot by six foot um, in the three sections. It's 18 feet by six feet, three sections, drinkers. Um, all it is, I've had to make the doors wider and lower. Yep. Because yep. I've lost quite a few pigeons, just my own stupidity. Um, I go to the stock loft, I open the door, grab the hopper, and this is from the outside the loft, grab the hopper, fill it up. But I've had so many birds fly out over my head because there's probably a two or three foot space above my head. So I've had to address that problem. Um, actually, I lost one of my very good friends from Torquay. I lost a hen he bought from Keith Saggers, which was first fed 400, 10 bird special. Yeah. Yeah, so she flew out over my head, which was, yeah. You'd be popular. Well, I was gutted, actually. Exactly, yeah. And I rang Keith Corrie. Yeah. Yeah, I rang, and she was really good. She said, ring me back in 15 minutes. It's a big loft. So she went out and checked, and there was nothing there, but... uh, Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that, that's all it is. Uh, make, uh, I make the point to, if, uh, look, I think, this is my opinion, that uh, it would be a great hobby for people in wheelchairs. You know, younger people perhaps, um, yeah. families yes. could get involved. Uh, that's just not the racing pigeon side of it. It's getting out and meeting people with a similar interest. Yeah. Um, and... You know, like, I said, well, I'd watch all my kids and grow up and they've got this thing called an iPad stuck in their fingers. I think it's a year and a half the time because, you know, and they don't go out. They just sit there and, you know, it's very intelligent kids. They probably learn a lot, but I think there's got to be a bit more to it. And I think the pigeons could involve if a young girl or boy, doesn't matter, was interested in with a disability. I think... The family could pitch in and, you know, they can go and toss the birds and train the birds all together, you know. Yeah. So that's my opinion. I just, um, it sort of amazes me that there's not a great number of disability, uh, people with disabilities in the hobby. Yeah, look, you're right there. It, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the, uh, it's, it's pretty hard for, you know, families and when they've got um, you know, people, uh, children with uh, with a disability, to find something that yes. that's going to keep them occupied and and interested, and and it takes well having having animals, birds, pigeons yep. doesn't matter. It teaches you responsibility as well, and to um, care for something. Uh, and basic that, in the, you know, it gives you an interest in genetics as well. Could yes. one be a veterinarian? You don't know, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you, you're strong. Um, just because you've got a disability doesn't mean that you, you can't do yeah. things. And, and you, really, you can. You may need a little bit of assistance, but... I oh, definitely um, yeah. Look, I, I'm talking about myself. Yeah. But I see I was, I was lucky in the fact that I had pigeons from when I was five years old. Yeah. And they were still around when I was about 18. I wasn't looking after them, I have to admit. I'd sold most of them, but mum was very, very kind. She used to go down by 
two bobs worth of wheat and she'd feed them all that come back and she'd tell me how cruel I am. I said, well, if you stop feeding them, they'll stay where I sold them to. Every time they they come back, Mum was out there feeding them and giving them a drink and a bath. Yeah, it's like that bird in gum tree, mate. (laughs) Yeah, oh, mum had mum bred budgies too, which were a pride and joy. You know? Yeah, yeah. Now, Brad, you're you you're also into the um, the older the older families of birds too. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, the um, uh, I, I when we were down at uh, Colac there, the uh, I think you had a lovely Harrison in the sale. Yeah, and. Um, you didn't. You weren't. You weren't able to buy it back, though. No, no, no. Too much, mate. <laughs> uh, but you've you've had a very good family of um, Harrisons. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, just for the last five or six years. Yeah. Now, where did they originate from? Um, I've got a cock from um, oh, my brother, yeah, Robert, and um. I mean, I've got a hen from um, Adrian Maselli. That's where I was from. Yeah. Yes, yes. And you built up this family. Yep. Yeah. Now, now, how long? How long have you been racing pigeons for? Um, I started back in two thousand and five. But I had pigeons sitting in the backyard. Yeah. All the time, I had um, uh, Birmingham rollers for a while. So then I started getting broken into in my loft too many times, and I just snapped one day, and I'd say I'll get back into racing. Yeah. Yeah, in 2005. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, started the family there. I've got a Hooven cock at there. He's bred, only, he's bred me um, over 50 fed winners so far. Yeah, that's a de- Man, where'd you get in from? That's a decent sort of a picture. Yeah, no, my friend. He's passed away now, but my friends gave him to me as a squeaker, and he goes, I'll get the paperwork for you, but next week oh, he's in, in a motorbike accident and he got killed, so he's never got the paperwork to me. But, but I just kept him, and I bred from the first year, and he just anything I put him with, Ted Winners. So, yeah, yeah, it sounds interesting. Sounds yeah, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a family of birds that, uh, that I, I really do love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I bred some from my brother, and he's fed in, in WPF with him too, so... So they're proven, and you now I just actually gave, I just gave a pair to Glenn Matthews too. So, yep, yep, yeah. excellent, excellent. Yeah, so I might have to see him myself. Put them with mine, or we can swap some. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, now, Jeff, yep. you and I, you and I met quite a few years ago. Yes, <laughs> when we were both young and handsome, right? <laughs> or young, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we can't we can't put the other bit in. But uh, <laughs> now, um, I think um, we met at uh, Richard Richard Clinion's sale. One of yes. Um, yeah. You were fortunate to, enough to to get a, to get some of Richard's birds. Yeah. And um, you've um, built up a, a nice family there. Yes, I've also got the Barkers. Which I've oh, right. Yes. I've had them for about, uh, probably down about 50 years, I suppose. Okay. okay, the Barkers. Yeah, I got them via a guy called Ivan Henderson. Yes. Ballarat. Yes. Frank uh, Lester. 
fella, right? Uh, yes, uh, Frank started me up in pigeons, yes. Yep, yep. Um, and uh, also just, uh, oh, God, I think the other guys, Max Gilbert. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, they're down for a certain yeah. expected line, whatever, you know, and I've kept them yeah. straight all the time. I actually put a bird in not so long ago. I bought, well, I didn't buy it, and a friend of mine bought it and said it wasn't any good, so he gave it to me. And it was a barker cock, but it was a clay barker from, okay. here we go, yeah. as soon as I was going to say that, the name, guy at race at Maryborough. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah, and I bought that. I that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very good. 700 mile fire. Um, yeah, Billy Patton. Yeah, that's Billy's yeah. just coming to it again. That's correct, yeah. So I had this um, this red cock given to me and I put it to a hand like uh, she won the 400. And she was third in a five, and there was only three home on the day. So um, she was right through the, the Barker line that I've had, you know. Um, I've always had them, you know. And, yeah, yeah. and somebody said, why do you keep them? And I said, because they keep producing good pigeons. I just, well, I'll, I'll lead you into a story. So you'd probably remember Georgie Lewis from down here. Did you yeah, know him George, at all? Old George. George, yes. Yeah, he's from Melbourne originally. And anyway. I've his house. Yeah, a nicer person you can never meet, gentleman, you know. And you know, I used to go on holidays, and George offered uh, while I was away, three weeks, I'll come around and feed them and that. And I said, oh, that'd be great. So he's only about three k from here, but he'd get on his bike and ride around. I said to him, I said, listen, George, I said, if you see anything you really like amongst the babies, I said, take them home. They're yours. And he said, really? So I said, yeah. So I got home and. Uh, I had a look in the loft and there was all these cockbird squeakers, no hens. Went around to George. <laughs> he, he'd taken all the hens. But one of them came out and he said to me, it was the best pigeon he had. It won, won a 300 and then he sent it to a six and he clocked about seven o'clock Sunday morning and won the 600 by an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a tricky old bloke, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I look, I met him uh, many years ago after he um, got out. Yeah, we did a, they did a movie on him. That's right, Little Ripper. Correct, and Little Ripper was named after my feet winner. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that all began, yes. Yes, yep. <laughs> yes, and the, and the feet winner was a Hoover. Okay. Yes, yeah. and the, the two young guys come from Benalla that did the filming. Yeah, uh, I think they lived in Ocean Grove, actually. Yeah, well, uh, the two Benalla boys. Yep. They, and they, um, I got them to do the talk fest. Okay. And then they, um, they were doing Little Ripper, um, which was um, the one loft race. That's correct, yeah. The pigeon pump. And they said, we need a name for, for our movie. And I said, um, well, I've just won the Fed today. And they said, oh, yeah, what, you, what, what are you going to call the bird? I said, Little Ripper. They said, well, that sounds a great name for the movie. And yeah. that's, what, that's where it's stuck. Yeah, so okay. I, I'm not, not even getting any royalties. No, I think, they, I think they won a few awards even overseas for that. Um, they? they did. They did. They um, won the Australian Short Film Award. I was at right. a 
both Brom and I were at the premiere of that at Alistair Um Yeah, so excellent. Uh, yeah, so it was an excellent uh, movie, actually. The whole was set. Yeah, the whole setup was excellent. But um, now you've also got Richard's birds. The uh, uh, yeah, I got the Marilyn's. Yeah, Marilyn's. Yeah, you got the Mar- oh well, it's yeah Marilyn. Let me think of the name of the uh, wishbone, mm. Marilyn. Um, they produced a cop that I bought at one of those sales. Um, it was down and called Pied Boy, yeah. Pied Cock. Yes. And at Richard's last sale, I, um, were you the auctioneer at his last sale? <laughs> no. At the WTF. No, I. Oh, I'm, no, no, I wasn't. I was bidding for someone, but yeah, I may as well burn the option here because <laughs> there wasn't too many. There wasn't too many birds went elsewhere. That's for sure. But, yeah, I bought a brother to that cock, a blue checker. But it was yeah. funny because uh, when I bought the first one and I was paying for it, Richard said, "Oh, you'll you, hope you like pretty ones. You'll breed your really nice pieds." You know, I never got one pied off him. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I've got the Muleman line from uh, actually that only I uh, gave Kenny McCall a pair of squeakers. Yes, yes, a good and, friend, uh, Kenny. Yes, yes, and he asked me, they straight. I said, yeah, and he said, what are they? And then when I went through the pedigree, I bought two brothers. Um, from Road Tiger, or I think it was. I didn't. It wasn't until I went through the pedigrees. I thought, oh, that's two brothers. And I bought. Uh, I bought two hens, and they both from um, through the two fifty. Um, the Vlerk, I think, was the hen. Yeah. Daughter of the two fifty. I think. Yes. Yeah. But they've been great pigeons. You know, they really have. Um, yeah. I haven't raced a lot. Oh well, I've, I haven't raced. Consistently for a long time, um, just because uh, raising a son, you know, um, they get into their own sport. Uh, you know, like I could, couldn't tell you the amount of times where I'd be sitting around at Point Impossible, and Daniel was only about twelve or thirteen at the time, and he he was a good good wave rider, and he'd be sitting out there on outside reef at Point Impossible that three or four hundred metres offshore and I'd be watching the race birds go over. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, electronic timing is uh, comes in very handy. Yes, I've been going, because I show dogs and you'd be surprised at the manic things I've done. You know, I'd be over at Cranbourne, at the dog centre at Cranbourne. Yes. And I'd charge home, I'd either get beaten or finish what I had to do and be charging home. There'd be pigeons coming up back out of Geelong, but I'd still charge home. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, we'd get home and there'd be 10 birds in the loft. <laughs> yeah. oh, plenty of, look, there's plenty of fences can tell you those tales, that's for sure. But then again, even with electronic timing, another good friend of mine, Gary Gravitt, he's got electronic timing and I, I used to go around there and enjoy it. Gary and I have known each other since we were about 12, I think. Anyway, um, I'd enjoy going around just having a chin wag with him on race days. And he had the electronic timing. I said, here comes one, Gary, this blue bar, power, uh, blue bar cock. I can still see it in my mind's eye. Diving straight from the loft, straight across the roof of the loft down to the dam for a drink. <laughs> <laughs> so electronic timing doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not when they don't go in. No, no, next thing I see Gary's off sprinting. He's got the rake in his hand, sprinting down to the dam, and I'm yelling out, there's another one, there's another one. Don't worry about that one. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Look, uh, yes, it's... Uh, um, mind you, um, it, it, in your in your circumstances, you know, it, it's a great a great thing to have. You know, oh, definitely. Yeah, that's about. Uh, now, now, Brad, we're, we're back with you. Yep. You're still with us? Yep. Now, you're concentrating oh. now a lot on the um, special races. Yes. Fill us in with um, what, you're, uh, what you're about to try and do this year. Uh, um. And the main races I'm in this year is the Reef Cup, the Southern Sprint, uh, the VPO, um, WPF Breeders' Plate, um, the Southern, um, oh, I've got the other one, um, um, Corden Classic. Yes. Yeah. Um, there's a couple more out there too, there is, so I actually forgot about now. Yes, you, you're certainly... Um uh, going to be busy, especially if they're all on the one weekend, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, have, you, have, you got, have you got electronic time? Yes. <laughs> well, that'll be, that'll be a godsend for you. Yeah, oh, buddy. Yeah, especially with my legs now. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, just sitting back, mate, and letting the birds go through. It's yeah, not running around trying to get a rubber off a bird and trip over. Yeah, yeah, you know, you don't need that. You, you told me that uh, the other day you, you got a bit a bit tangled up and over you went. And yeah, straight out of the loft and, yep, yeah, ripped all my um, inner thighs and muscles and all that. So stuck, in, stuck, stuck inside for a couple of days. My daughter looked after the birds for me. And yeah, that's handy too. Now, your daughter's into the birds as well, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's going to race again this year. She's had a few years off because she's doing year 12 and... So she's backing it this year. Ah, that's good. That's yeah. good. Yep, yep. Now, yeah, you, so you're, uh, you're basically you, you're a single parent as well. Yeah. So yep. uh, and you've got a, a year twelve. So that's a pretty difficult year, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she flew through it. Okay, well that's yeah. good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. And uh, so she's back into the birds. Wants to yeah, have yeah. She's just done the PMV for me the other day. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that took about an hour and 40 minutes doing so many birds. But, yeah, and, um, yeah, she helped me stitch birds up and, uh, you know, give them water and, and I can't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, uh, you've got a good backstop there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, she loves animals too, mate. She's got ducks and chickens out the backyard. And, so we've got a whole zoo here. Yeah. Now, 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 Tony, we've got to get these guys back on because we're um. Yes. It's great hearing um all this. Um, <laughs> we've got to rush. I'm and I, I need to ask them some questions, but I want them to come back. So I want to keep these questions for for next time. Hopefully, we'll yeah. when we start racing. So when do you guys start racing? In uh, June. June. All right. So a couple of months. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. We'll get you back. Back on, we'll hopefully get some results as well then. So, um, and uh, I've got a few questions here, but unfortunately, um, we've only got a few. Yeah, not long to go, so we still need to get someone back on. But um, yeah, that's all right. Tony to finish off. Thanks, guys. No, that's all right. Thank you. Well done. Uh, thanks, thanks uh, Jeff, and thanks, Brad, for coming on. And 
Uh, we'd love you to come back on. Yep. And you want to come back on? Bloody oath. About you, Jeffrey? I think he's dropped off. Okay. All right. I'm sure you'll come back on. So thanks thanks a lot, Brad. And uh, there'll be uh, plenty more questions. And uh, let's hope that we get some people ring up too. Yeah, no, that's all right. All right, mate. Thanks, thanks a lot for coming on. No, that's all right. Well done, boys. Good job. Thanks, yeah. Brad. That's that's right. Right. Yeah, Yep, see you later. Thanks very much for coming on the program. We're going to take a break now, and um, here's a song by James Blundell, and um, who's the guy from Australian Crawl? Oh, James Rain, yeah? James Rain and uh, James Blundell, the two James, doing a song called Way Out West. That's where we are here, Way Out West. So let's have a listen to this on Pigeon Radio Australia. James Blundell and James Ray, way out west. west where the rain don't fall. Got a job with a company you're drilling for. Just to make some change. Living out of working on the land. I quit my job and I left my wife. Headed out west for a brand new life. Get away. Living out
For all your pigeon requirements, head to Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies. We make our own range of pigeon carry baskets, bird breeding cages and boxes. We're one of Melbourne's largest suppliers of quality seed, feed and more. You'll find health supplements, minerals and grits for pigeons and other breeds. Visit Thomastown Produce and Pet Supplies at our retail shop in Apex Court, Thomastown or phone 9464 2439. Southern FM sponsor. Keep your pigeons healthy with Applied Nutrition Australia, number one for all-in-one bird supplements. Tummy Right for Pigeons is a nutritional supplement for racing pigeons to support proper functioning of the gastrointestinal tract. The Applied Nutrition range of products is made in Australia and sold factory direct to you. For top quality products formulated by Australia's leading animal and avicultural nutritionist, visit appliednutrition.com.au. Southern FM sponsor. Do you want to keep your birds flying high? Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies has everything you need. A wide variety of pigeon mixes, avian mixes, grits, mineral blocks and health supplements. Plus a large range of loft and racing equipment. Phone Rod Churchill on 0409 416 794 or contact Petstock Terelgan. Rod Stock Feed and Bird Supplies is a proud supporter of Pigeon Radio Australia. Southern FM sponsor. Natural Pigeon Products are the Australian distributors for Rhonefried Pigeon Products. Rhonefried, a German-based company, is a leading manufacturer of world-class, premium, European racing pigeon products that will help you maintain your racing pigeons' inner health all year round. Contact Natural Pigeon Products on 035-998-1000 and pigeonvitality.com.au Southern FM Sponsor Hey, I'm Matty Ryan. I'm Caitlin Bassett. I'm Alex Deminor. These are extraordinary times. The presence of COVID-19 means that each and every one of us is facing our toughest ever opposition. And although we stand apart, if we work together as a team and play by the rules, we'll soon get back to playing and watching the sport we love. We need your support now more than ever. So let's play by the rules. Wash your hands and listen to advice. If we play by the rules, if we play by the rules, we'll all get through this together. How often should you wash your hands? Maybe around nine times a day. Four? Like 20? Maybe twice a day. Whenever they feel dirty. When should you wash your hands? After you touch some raw meat and before starting to eat. At the beginning, I wash my hands before preparing food. How would you rate your knowledge of food safety? Probably like an eight out of ten. Six or seven. Seven point five? Learn more at foodsafety.asn.au slash food safety training. Food safety, it's in your hands. Hey, Gary, what time you call this? Yeah, the traffic was really bad. Oh, there's Steve-o. G'day, Steve. Morning. How's your weekend? Same old, same old. What'd you get up to? Not much. Are you okay, mate? Looking out for one another is something we all need to do. So if a mate's struggling, ask, are you okay? Listen, encourage action, and check in again soon. Those four steps could change their life. Find out more at areyouok.org.au. This is 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside. This is DDZ, your captain speaking. Tune in every Wednesday at 2pm. Travel the world, musically speaking, from the Eiffel Tower to the Rialto, from the Colosseum to the Pyramids, from the London Bridge to Golden Gate. 
Tune in every Wednesday 2pm for International Caravan with your captain DDZ. You're listening to Pigeon Radio Australia. Broadcast from Melbourne, Australia on 88.3 Southern FM, The Sounds of the Bayside. Listening to Pigeon Radio Australia, our website address is www.pigeonmedia.com.au, and we are broadcasting via 88.3 Southern FM, the sounds of the Bayside, and their website address is www.southernfm.com.au. Charlie Gretsch, we tried to get your guest on, but he is missing in action. Yes, unfortunately, um, yeah, Andrew James, we've. Um Lost contact with him, so um, we'll have to try again for next week. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, um, that's the way it goes. Mm. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, we'll have somebody extra for next week. There you go. Now, yeah. um, what are we going to talk about? We've got... Uh... Okay. I've, got I've got the uh, VHA. They had a, the start of their little um, speed series. Oh, yeah. Um, from up at Shepparton. Oh, yeah. Um, or just, just short of Shepparton. Um First was um, Luke Spiliopoulos doing now what what was his velocity nineteen eighty nine. Second second was our correspondent from down at uh, Frankston, Brad McPherson. Oh yeah, doing nineteen eighty four. So there wasn't much between them. Gee, that's and all right. Brad McPherson in the sprint series comes second. Very good, Brad McPherson. Yes, well, yes, well done, yes, Brad yes. McPherson. The, birds, the birds were released at eight o'clock in the right. morning. Yeah, um, with a northerly wind, north northwest. So the guys down the bottom did pretty well. Mm. Uh, Maynard Gat, uh, Rodney Main, and Donna Gat were third. They were doing nineteen twenty three. So their birds are coming back to them, coming back up. Mm. Uh, then it was Steve Brown. Now Steve lives over in Furniture Gully, as you know, over near the uh, cemetery. Yeah. So that's a very good pigeon there. Um, and that's coming back now. He's the secretary, and we spoke to him last week. Well, he's what, doing position, what, 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 what position was that, Steve Brown? What, what, what fourth, fourth, right? So now you said that's a very good um, pigeon for where he is, right, Tony McPherson? So people that don't know about pigeon racing, you want to just explain because he's fourth. How that's a very good pigeon. Okay, well, look, the the winds on the day, there was uh, six hundred odd birds released up just short of Shepparton, and it led up at eight o'clock in the morning. We uh, got a north northwest wind, so the birds are being blown uh, down towards the south southeast corner, and uh, the the longer flyers. Um, being uh, Andrew Spiliopoulos and Brad McPherson, uh, Main and Gat are sort of midfield. Uh, then you've got Steve, um, and he's short. Now, Andrew Spiliopoulos or Luke Spiliopoulos' 
distance was 176, 176 kilometres, and uh, Steve Brown's was 144. So he's giving nearly 32,000 uh, metres overfly, right? So, yeah. uh, and he's clocked it, and he's clocked at um, 9.15, right? Now, the winner was clocked at 9.28, so he's clocked... 14, uh, 13 minutes ahead. So yeah, that's sure. a really good pigeon. Yeah, that, that pigeon stood out early yeah. and, and uh, dropped back. But it's a really good pigeon. Then we had um, Jan M. Delzeal. They live over in Keysborough uh, uh, Way, over that oh, way. Yeah. And he's doing 1896. And he was clocking at 9.32. So, you know, now another one was... Um, uh, Sheehan in uh, Ivanhoe, right? Yeah. He finished sixth. Now, that's a really good pigeon too. Yeah, because that's a short. No, 909. Yeah. Right? But he's short. Yeah. You know, he's um, 131 Ks, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, And he was doing 1891. Yeah. So the birds and... You know, you know what, you know what I was going to say. That some people say, right? Some fanciers say that this overfly business is not fair. All right, but it is fair when you look, when you think about it. Oh, look, it, it is. It's just it's the, the wind. Like you, you got your birds will go over the top of you, but uh, and then come back. But mm. these birds are pulled out early. But they, you know, they've pulled out. They've probably gone down a little bit mm. uh, and then and then come back, mm. but. Yeah, they they've been pretty good pigeons, you know. Yeah. Lajeruski was doing um uh eighteen eighty four. Then uh, I think um uh, Jerry Shan, uh he was doing um eighteen seventy five, so there mm. wasn't much between him and his brother. Mm. You know, only a couple of minutes. Then we had uh Trezellis from Northcote doing eighteen sixty nine. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. So the um, you know the you know, it sort of just drops down. Um, yeah. You know, so you know, so, um, so the race was good. Yeah. What's the reports have you got? Good returns. Good race. Um, well, at, we we had um, our guy Adrian Brown, Steve's brother. Mm. He finished thirteenth, right? Mm. He sent uh, he sent twenty birds, mm. and he had. 18 home. Well, there you go. Very good. So he, he was happy. Now he he was clocking at uh, he was clocking at nine nineteen, yeah. right? And he finished fifteenth. Mm. And he lives just near Steve. So yeah. you know, Steve's had a really good bird on the day. Mm. Uh, a very good bird. Brad's had a good bird. Philly mm. uh, Office, of course, he's got the winning bird. There's nothing like the first bird. Mm. So. You can't say that. In actual fact, he was he had uh, first and second, but they've um, you can only clock one bird, so he was first. And Brad McPherson and second, Gain and Matt uh, Main and Gat was third, mm. Brown fourth. Mm. You know, so um, there were six hundred odd birds that went. There was, I think, twenty. What was the race point? Slide. The race point was what Shepparton or something, was it? Oh, just short of Shepherd, and I'd say it was at the Shepherd Journal. Oh, okay. Yeah, just short of. So there's 25, 25 in the result. There's probably maybe 26, 27 flyers flew it. Uh, that basketing was at the uh, at the 
Notting Hill and also at Ivanhoe. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think there was 13 flyers from uh, at Notting Hill and the rest were at Ivanhoe. Mm. So um, they're out there having a bit of fun. Well, that's so good. good on, and, yeah, yeah, good on them, and uh, we'll get those results every week. We'll we'll get those results. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get uh, Brad to uh, come on every yeah. week and do the results. Good for idea. Us. I'm sure he will. Yeah, so that's where we're at with that lot. Um, and it's open to all age birds too. Mm. So what is it? It's um, Tony, what, Greater Melbourne Flyers and VHA bounded together to do this sprint or? Oh, look, there's a couple of uh, Greater Melbourne Flyers in there. Yeah, yeah. there's a few that uh, joined in. Mm. But the, you know, most of the guys, the birds are falling to pieces, so... Mm. It's a bit difficult. Oh, yeah. um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there looking at my birds today, and I'm thinking about the VHA racing their sprint series, and I'm thinking to myself, half you birds haven't got feathers around your neck. How are they? Yeah, that, that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and half a tail. Or, yeah. And uh, well, mine, well, mine is still doing about 800 metres a minute. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's a lot of flapping, mate, because they've got half a wing. But uh, look, um, over the years, we had a really good young bird series in the VHA, the VPU, WPF, Greater mm. Melbourne. Mm. Each had a, a really good young bird series. Uh. But over the years, it dropped off. Mm. And for whatever reason, most of it was um, you got um, you know, people that have uh, got families. Uh, it's a long season. Mm. And um, it sort of just phased out. You had your young bird specialists. And there's quite a few of them. John Wettering was one. Yeah, well. Um, he, he was definitely a Do you a know young what I'm going to tell you, Tony? It's a very, it's a big shame that they canned the Young Bird series because that's, that's another, that's another like section of pigeon racing in itself. Yeah, young birds. Look at Yelly Rosiers. That's what he excels in, young birds, you know? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. And, and, yeah, we're, well, and we're not doing uh, it. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Oh, uh, well, I think, uh, I think what happened was the expense coming into it, the transport, getting it all organised, and, oh. and then and, and the time, the time involved. Um, Why couldn't you do a Young Bird series not using a truck and use just a unit or something towed behind a four-wheel drive or something, and it wouldn't be that expensive? Well, look, I remember, Ivan, when I started racing pigeons in Southern Prosciutto Farm, mm. there was around about 250 flyers in Young Birds. Round about that, maybe less, um, and they had two trucks in young birds. But of course, over the years, um, people uh, are saying, "No, look, I, 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 I don't want to, you know, start breeding too early. You've got to breed early to get them through it. Mm. You've got the, you know, a lot of people now use the darkness system. Yeah. Well, Yelly uh, uses a darkness system. It works for him. Sorry. Yelly Rosiers uses the darkness system. Oh, yeah, there's quite a few fanciers use the darkness system, and it's a false false that stops the molt or, uh, and slows it yeah, down. Well, so that the bird got you a know, like and you could have a young that. bird season, right? And just quickly, because we've only got a couple of minutes left, right? But you could have a young bird season, right? And you could have, like, you breed your birds and you have, like, 20 birds, put them aside for young birds, and you just race those pigeons for young birds, nothing else. Yeah, look, you're right, and I think what happened was, and, and, and with with young birds, 
right? They took them out to 350k, mm. right? Mm. You don't need to be taking them no. out that far. No, no. This, just, it's all you need, you know, 150k. Yeah, but you got but you've got people right that think they excel in long distance pigeon racing, and their young birds can do the three hundred and fifty. All right, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. yeah. Look, we've we've got a. Oh, I don't, what do you think, Charlie? <laughs> He's yeah. gone quiet. Yeah. I, um, what can I say? Um, well, say something. Well, Charlie's comment will be the finishing comment, all right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, unless you start breeding really early, yes. uh, you know, June and that and getting ready for young birds, you've got to be prepared well and truly, not just, oh, we're going to have a season, we're going to do this because we've got too many birds, let's have a spring season. Mm. Um, it's got to be stored out well and truly before. Um, to have yeah, a good set, yeah. You know, thought good, out properly team. with points I mean, and everything. You got to do it properly. You can't just, you know. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. all right. Well, everybody f- knows. I mean, you get a few people in it because, um, yes, young birds used to be good. I used to race it every year. Mm. Um, yeah. I used to race young June. birds as a kid. I remember it as a kid. Geez, we had a lot of people down at the basketing centres. I tell you, for young yeah, birds. Yeah, yes, we did. Yes, yeah. yes. And the champion flyers, the Wettering Jackson. Those those guys yeah. in young birds, you used to whiz, you couldn't beat them. No, you know Peter Starrow, all of these guys. Peter Starrow, yeah, there's another. They had mate. those birds, you know. Yeah, yeah. They but um, you know, look at the last young bird series that uh, that was ran. It uh, was between uh, with the Greater Melbourne and the VHA. And I think they had a, uh, ran about thirty flyers, mm. and it just uh, sort of died. Well, death. all right. Well, okay. on that note, Tony McPherson, I'm sorry, but we've run out of time. We're dying as well, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. we've got to, we've got to go uh, because you know I can't go over time. They put the news on at Southern FM, and we've got to make time for the news. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's very goodbye to you, Tony McPherson. Yeah. Goodbye, Ivan. Goodbye, uh, B two. Goodbye, Charlie, and uh, goodbye to everyone that's listening mm. and to those people that have come on the show. We thank you very much for, for your time and effort. We certainly do. And uh, good no- uh, goodbye, Tony, Barbara. Goodbye, Ivan. Goodbye, B1. Goodbye, Charlie, and goodbye to everybody around the way. And uh, Mr. Gretch, goodbye to you, mate. Yeah, goodbye, everybody, and um, we'll see you all next week. Yeah, we we will hear you all next week. Is we we don't see anybody, we hear people. All right, good goodbye, and uh, we'll catch you same time, same station next week on Pigeon Radio Australia. Cheerio. So stop the pigeon, stop the pigeon, stop the pigeon.